Phil Hartman got a late break in the show business. He was a very talented and loved guy who was flying high off a legendary stint at SNL, and he had a new popular TV series in L.A. and Two Beautiful Kids. So all of America was shocked when they heard Phil was shot to death in his sleep in the late night hours of May 28, 1998. What the fuck happened? This week on Death and Entertainment. Live from Los Angeles. 911, what is your emergency? Here in Hollywood now. Two counts of murder, injury, and death. Oh my God! Shocking new details that has stunned the entertainment world. Um, this makes me a little nervous. The hair stood up on my arms. Just like in the movies. Ah! What do you call this thing, anyway? Death in entertainment. Hello, hello, hello. What's up? Hey. What's up? What's up? <laughs> Bringing back the '90s, all in this episode. Yeah, you know yeah. what? That was that's when it was hitting in 1998 when uh, when all this went down. It was big Super Bowl ad. What? <laughs> the worst moment. <laughs> the worst. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why the terrorists decided to do September 11th. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, they replaced the damn Budweiser frogs with yeah. those guys. And then I think. Woodstock 99 with the cherry on top, and then they like green light. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, welcome back to another Death and Entertainment, everyone. My name is Kyle Plouffe. My name is Mark Mulcairin. And I'm Alejandro Dowling. You might remember me from such driver's ed films as Alice's Adventures Through the Windshield Glass. Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait, wait a second. I'm totally blindsided. I'm not. This is great. What is is going on here? That's a Troy McClure. Oh! <laughs> Troy McClure. Hi, I'm Troy McClure. Yeah, that was great. You did such a spot-on voice of that. I should have gotten it. <laughs> what was I thinking? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This uh, this episode is um, highly sought after by a lot, a number of listeners. They wanted us to cover Mr. Phil. A lot Hartman. of people shouting out and saying, uh, "Hey, why don't you do Phil Hartman?" We're like, "Oh." Well, here you go. On it, buddy. Yeah, we're on it, and here it is. Now's the moment we're going to fill it up. Let's go. We're going to fill you in. Alejandro's (laughs) been dying to say that line, and Kyle's (laughs) been dying to say that. (laughs) We're going to fill you guys up today. Yeah, we're going to fill you in with what happened in May of 1998. So, Alejandro, what was going on around this time? I am very glad you asked me because I have everything you want to know. Here we go. <laughs> everything you always wanted to know about the weekend of May 28th. We're going to fill an hour of just talking about the pop culture around 1998. <laughs> the third most popular song on the Billboard chart this week You're Still the One, Shania Twain. Oh, You're that still was a big the song. One. Yeah. She, I thought she was pretty hot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pretty attractive. <laughs> I don't know if I'd make that noise. But... <laughs> oh, maybe that one. I'm a construction worker. Yeah. yeah. He's catcalling women in 1998. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, if Shania had to cross the street in Brooklyn in 1998, that's oh. what she would hear. <laughs> and that's when she's like, oh, don't that... impress me much. <laughs> that's like a woman. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, Al Pacino's working construction there. <laughs> Great ass. <laughs> yeah. 
Look at the gams on that girl. Aye, aye, aye. And I like you singing, too. Yeah. All right, Al, get back to work. Oh, why am I working here? I'm in Devil's Advocate. <laughs> yeah, that was this movie at the time, right? Yeah, I was yeah. watching that last With night. Ke- not, oh, yeah. Not even jo- in preparation for this, but just. Oh. Yeah, why would it be? Yeah, yeah. That's a good this. point, too. I should be watching a <laughs> Phil Hartman movie. Or... Number two, My All, Mariah Carey. Okay. I don't know if I remember that one. I have no clue. Sounds like a B-side. My All. Yeah. Number one, though, you will definitely remember, this was the summer jam of 1998 any guesses hard knock life hit me baby one more time oh it's that's hard knock. it's too early Crazy. for that really yeah um oh um is it smash mouth no in sync or backstreet boys I'll backstreet back no nope. all right that, i think that was the same summer though okay i'll give you a little hint the song starts out like this i wonder if she can tell if i'm hard right now what the <laughs> Fuck! What? what? There, there's like a speaking part during the yeah, song. Yeah, that's how it starts out. <laughs> Is it hardball? The way? Baby, when we're grinding, I get so excited. Oh, oh yeah. You're dancing too close. Too close. Yeah. yeah. Next. Real By next. Slow. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Great song. Baby, great song. Stop. And the summer jam that yeah. year. At the tail end that of was a big one. some great R&B 90s stuff yeah. that yeah. happened throughout the 90s. 112, Next, B2K. Jodeci? B2K might have been after 2000s, but yeah, Jodeci. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big time. What was the one? Casey Te- and JoJo. Casey and JoJo. What was the one Teddy Riley was in? Was that, um? oh man, this is going to kill me. I don't know who Teddy Riley is. I don't what? Know. He sounds, was like a, he sounds like, like a, a Bruins player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't does. help you either. But it was all awesome. Teddy Riley with the goal. <laughs> Teddy Riley up the left side. Uh, no, he was in a band in the Black Street was the name of the band. Oh, Black oh, Street. Yeah, he, yeah. Dr. Dre uh, featured on that. Yeah, he sure did. No yeah. diggity, right? No doubt. No diggity. <laughs> and what did next do next? I have no idea. Yeah, Nothing. No, yeah. <laughs> They were all like boy bands, but under, you know, they were all generated by by yeah. music producers and, and executives and stuff. So. Yeah, they were named after what people screamed when they got on stage. Next! <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> Cal's going to be at uh, Supernova, Supernova Comedy. Uh, this week. <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that. Okay, let's uh, hop over to movies. Why let's not? do it. Number three, Deep Impact. Wow. Hmm. With Elijah Wood. This was around the time where Deep Impact, and then there was another asteroid Armageddon. movie. Yeah, Armageddon, Armageddon but mm-hmm. something else. And then there was like Dante's Peak and another, The Volcano. Yeah. yeah. Like they're all, it's so dumb. Well, they've been, do, they been doing that for years, even before that. You know, once they know these people are coming out with that, they're just competing with them. We're going to make our volcano movie. Yeah. It was like the Lombada and the Forbidden Dance. This is a data <laughs> right. reference. I'm looking at you, Alejandro, to help me out here. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm failing you. I can't help there you. There was out. two movies that came out at the same time. One was called The Lombada, okay. and one was called The Forbidden Dance, oh was, which was about the Lombada. Really? Yeah, and they came out like the same year. So what uh, oh God. year was that? Sid Haig was in it. Oh, sweet! <laughs> Sid Haig. I'll have to see this. Jeff James, Barbara Brighton. Oh, okay, this 1990. Is the Forbidden Dance. The 1990. Forbidden yeah. Got okay. It. So yeah. I'm going way back. Lombada, I've heard of. Yeah. Forbidden Dance, not so much. Okay. Lombada. Lombada. The Forbidden yeah. Dance of Lombada. And then number two is a movie we 
Do you have something more to add to it? <laughs> We're getting in flagrante with the La Baba. Oh, flagrante <laughs> coming back. First time of the Lombada. pod. Yeah. Flagrante. Um, I said La Bamba. <laughs> I know. I was, I was just going to say that. I'm like, I've seen La, La Bamba. <laughs> Kyle can only take one law thing in his yeah. time at the same time. Look, if Lou Diamond Phillips isn't in it, I'm not oh, interested. Yeah, I'm done. Was there Phillips heads out there? <laughs> yeah. A screwdriver. Yeah. Number two is a movie we recently discussed. Ooh. Let's see if you can guess this one. I'll give you a hint. Okay. The director did a certain trilogy we talked about briefly. Wow, this, that's so vague. Trilogy. His first directorial effort starred a recent subject of ours. Ooh. And you like this movie a lot, Mark. You said so. Oh, wow. But I like a lot of movies, so I don't know... He has a good eye for directing. Oh, Forrest Whitaker. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Hope Floats with Sandra Bullock. <laughs> wow. I didn't, based on all that setup, I did not expect that one bit. <laughs> Wait, what trilogy did he do? Okay, he did Waiting to Exhale with Whitney Houston. Yeah. Then Hope Floats with Sandra Bullock. Yeah, but they're not connected. Then First Daughter with Katie Holmes. Are you saying they're on the same universe? It's his trilogy. It's his Star Wars. It's the forest verse. Yeah. <laughs> They're not connected That's... movies, per se, but he <laughs> no, directed I... all three of them, and he never directed another movie. At Some the would say daughter. trilogy have something to do with the same theme or, something, of or characters. Uh, yeah. Some directors have like the New York trilogy or something, yeah. where it's movies that have the same sensibility okay. put together. Yeah. This one just has the same director. Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the great uh, Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Well, number one movie, Size Does Matter. Size that was the big matter. campaign that they were running. Godzilla? Since. Yes. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. Awful movie. Yeah. For Awful. six months, they ran that campaign. Size Does Matter. Yeah. And the, the P. Diddy did the song. The, oh, yeah, Come the, With yeah, Me. Come With Me, which yep. is a, uh, they stole Led From Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin, yeah. yeah. And Jimmy Page was in the bad video for the he bad sure movie. He sure was. Come With Me. Come With Me. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories, a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. Crap. <laughs> and has one of our subjects as well, Matthew Broderick. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. Main movie. Character. We yes. did the broad episode. Yep. <laughs> right. Very early on. <laughs> this was a decade after he killed somebody. Two people. Murdered somebody. That is crazy. <laughs> that was only ten years. Well, that's my nuts. my theory, my hot theory in that episode, you can go back and listen to it. Um, I said that's the reason why he was doing shit movies like that, because he still had that stigma of yeah. having killed that family in uh, Ireland. Wow. Yeah, and the girl that was in it with him, Maria Patillo. She didn't really do another movie after that at all. Really? Yeah. So that movie was really certain <laughs> it, death. It killed a lot people. of people. You never saw him for a couple of years yeah. after that. Yeah. Not in a big movie like yeah. that. Not as the star. Wow. Yeah. Wow, was that a crap movie? It's like someone was uh was driving a car on a Ireland highway <laughs> and took out his career with Godzilla. Yeah. 
<laughs> to use a Jesus. It was a wreck. It was a wreck. I would rather <laughs> drive with Matthew Broderick through the Irish countryside than sit <laughs> yeah. through Godzilla again. <laughs> After he may or may not have had a couple of drinks. Who knows? Oh, he was loaded. Who we knows? all know. Hey, he well, was we can't say that legally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to see Godzilla at the time. You know, I'm a kid. Yeah, of course. I, I had like the Burger King cup, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I go to see the movie, all you see is the tail. Oh, really? Yeah, I never they, even saw They it. never even show Godzilla in full daylight. I mean, they show him. Uh, let, you know what? <laughs> oh, he's pushing back. <laughs> Let's not get into Devil's it. Devil's Advocate here. <laughs> oh, no, we already talked about Devil's Advocate. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> what, what are you talking about? My movie? Nice tail. Keanu Reeves. Got a great tail. <laughs> get your head all the way up into Godzilla's. <laughs> Okay, so Phil Hartman. Let's get down to it. The the early life of Mr. Phil Hartman. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, so Phil was born in Ontario, Canada, September 24th, 1948, in a small town called Branford. Another Canadian. Another Canuck. Yeah. Actually, the same city Wayne Gretzky is from. Hello. He was born. Yeah. He was one of eight kids. Uh, eight. Eight. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's a big family. I guess he was a middle child, which made him like more apt to like want to perform, perform, and get attention and do all that stuff. Yeah, his family like moved around a lot. He, um, the Hartman family, they moved everywhere. They went from Canada to Lewiston, Maine, then Meriden, Connecticut, and then eventually settling in L.A. when he was about ten years old. So they were Rolling Stones. Pretty much. I don't I don't know what the dad did for a living, but he it must have allowed them to move around a lot like that. Yeah. It looks like they slowly moved their way down towards California. It's an odd selection of cities to go. Like you're starting in Canada, then Lewiston, Maine, then Meriden, Connecticut, and then like, oh, Los Angeles, why not? <laughs> yeah, Such a big jump. A big jump. So his formative years, as you would call it, started in L.A. I guess he was a very popular kid, like, right away. You know, usually if you go to a new school, like, it destroys your entire life if you pop around like that. But I guess, like, he was yeah. just... I think that's when people, like, learn to be funny, when they move around a lot and they have to, like... Ingrati- Make friends fast. Ingratiate themselves with yeah. new people all the time. Maybe that's what happened with him. But he was, like, very good on his toes. He was the class clown. Like, every- everyone loved him. Talk your way out of getting shoved into a locker. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much like, yeah, I'm sure there's always going to be bigger kids and like you just got to get your way out of it. Yeah. Um, One of his classmates in high school was actually Squeaky Frome, uh, (laughs) who tried to assassinate Gerald Ford. And was a member of the Manson cult. Yeah. 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 Charles Manson, I guess, asked her to kill Gerald Ford. Oh, he it was per his request. I think it was a a direct request. Manson, what the (laughs) fuck did he want? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, okay, let's get rid of Sharon Tate. Then we'll get rid of Gerald Ford. That's just a (laughs) random list. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe one of the Beach Boys while we're at it. Well, they did uh, take a (laughs) shot at him, I guess. Yeah. Um, She was not part of the Tate Bianca murders, though. No, I think she was like a fringe group. (laughs) To be a fringe group of a fringe group. That's when you're really, they don't even want to deal with you in the regular, like, you know, home base of the Manton clan. But not only a classmate, I heard they were 
pretty good friends. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. It didn't say that any of the That's biographies. what she claims. Oh, really? Yeah, that they were That her close. and Phil Hartman were like buds? Yeah. Really? Really. This is from Squeaky From, though. Yes. You know, a crazy <laughs> Grain <person>. of salt. <laughs> yeah. She's still alive, and she got paroled in 2009, so she's been free for 13 years. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. That's insane. Let's call her up. Let's get her on the pot. She got life imprisonment, served 34 years. Okay. Yeah. That's what you get when you had Attempt to kill presidents. <laughs> President Gerald Ford. <laughs> yeah. Is that Gerald Ford? I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, what I don't was remember, that? I don't no, that's from voice. SNL when uh, Tom Brokaw, they made fun of him, and Phil Hartman was on those seasons, I think. Uh, they literally would just say, President Gerald Ford, oh, yeah, like, yeah. all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, so after high school, he went to Santa Monica College, which is, that's where you go where you really, like, fucked up, and you don't really have any <laughs> direction in life. Mm -hmm. Santa Monica College is, like, a big joke. Hometown kid made it bad. Yeah, made it bad. <laughs> Not doing well. Um <laughs> So he fucked off in like various bands and stuff and he started doing like he started getting into graphic design, which he started taking very seriously as a kid. And mm -hmm. that was like his thing he wanted to do. He started making album covers. He did like a bunch of them. I guess he, he wound up eventually at Cal State to pursue graphic design after years of just fucking off. Like in his early 20s, like, all right, I got to do something with my life here. Yeah. Um, he got married to this woman, Gretchen. I don't even know anything about this marriage. It didn't. It, it, didn't it was even, a quickie. It didn't even last two years. Uh, most of his marriages, wow. you know, <laughs> no spoilers he, here, but don't last too long. He should have <laughs> stuck with the first one. I guess so. Yeah. He would still be alive. I can't imagine a woman under 95 years old named Gretchen. Just... <laughs> yeah. It does sound like someone that survived like World War II or something. Yeah. yeah. Gretchen Mull, remember her? Yeah. Yeah. She's in um, uh, Yellowstone. She's in. Oh, the, she is. She's got a very, very small part. Oh, actually, the weird thing. It's a cut back to 1997 that she's in. Whoa. So oh, my God. Bill Harbour's still alive. Yeah. I do agree with you, though. It is an old lady name. Oh, yeah. Gretchen. Like, you never see anyone named <laughs> B anymore. Yeah, B-E-A. Like B. Arthur. B. Arthur. Yeah. I wouldn't fuck that name with B. Arthur's dick. <laughs> Hello! <laughs> Real quickly, back to the graphic design thing. Yeah. Yeah, he did some major album covers. Well, yeah, I I, I noted that here. He, uh, uh, he, Horse with No Name from America. America, yeah. Oh, he did no a, shit. For yeah. Poco, I don't know if you know, but that, I guess that was big in the 70s. It's a very minimal drawing of a horse, and I recognize that it. it's a kind of iconic look. Yeah, he was talented. He did one actually for Crosby, Stills, and Nash, I think when they dropped Young. When <laughs> 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 Neil Young's like, yeah, I'm gonna, someday I'm going to take my music off of Spotify. You know? yeah. So therefore, I'm out of this band. But they uh, actually, the band dropped Phil Hartman because they didn't even give him credit for doing the album cover after he did it. Wow. Uh, he said he found it funny later that they refused to give him any credit for that, which is, you know, good sense of humor. Yeah. Just kind of rolled off his back, those weirdos. That, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, they're a bunch of weirdos anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in uh, Phil's still fucking around. He's still doing some graphic design, obviously not getting paid a ton. In 1975, he decides he needed more creative output in his life and enrolled in his first class at the Groundlings in mm. Los Angeles. World famous. Improv. Now the world famous, but this is like a year after it starts. Mm -hmm. So it's like... Founding members it's, there, yeah. Yeah, the founding member, like it was founded, but it was like still new. So yeah. like he just goes up on stage for like the first time. You could just jump up on stage there, I guess. That's crazy. <laughs> As people just kind of, because he was in classes and they're like, mm -hmm. yeah, this guy's good. So they just let him do stuff. And then very quickly, he becomes a like regular player at the Growlings, which if you try to do it now, mm. 
you're like, good luck. It's like three thousand dollars, and twenty years later, maybe you know you can talk to a member there. Right. <laughs> you go bankrupt trying to get in one of the improv yeah. troops nowadays. Yeah, yeah. I would stop I, putting their cigarettes out on you. That's your only reward. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the pain kind of stops. Yeah. Um, I was shocked actually at Quentin Tarantino talking on Joe Rogan. I think last year said he had actually done all the classes at Groundlings, and he's like, and, he, and the writing, Tarantino the did? writing classes, yeah, the oh, sketch. Wow. Writing like no when shit. when he was younger and he's like he saw the painting on the wall that like it was kind of a scam and like you had yeah. to keep paying to get more and more into it. I never even took one class. But. Yeah, comedy Scientology. Keep moving up. Well, yeah, yeah it kind of is. <laughs> I took the I/O program in Chicago. Oh, you did? Okay. And it led to a brick wall. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I did too. I took I/O uh, uh, improv, and I think it's just a cheaper way to get the same result. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did UCB sketch and improv in New York. <laughs> and, and did it also lead you to a brick wall? Pretty much. Okay. Yeah, and not even a wall you can perform in front of. Yeah, the theater's gone. <laughs> <laughs> same with I/O Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> Good that, riddance. The house that kind. Kyle did not build. Yeah. <laughs> he almost destroyed it, yeah, actually. It, yeah. <laughs> there should be a memorial there one day. Kyle Pluth <laughs> took classes here once. Um, I have a link. You sure A little do. thing about his early days at the Groundlings I wanted to play here. Phil Hartman discovered that there was this place just starting up. It was an improv troupe called the Groundlings. Hi, I'm Rhonda. This is my pit bull, Leroy. It's an improv comedy sketch group. They teach classes. I thought you told me Julia Sweeney. I did at one time before I met Tyler. I mean, Jessica. For an actor to take a Brownlee's class, it's a great thing because you have to work without a script. Tim Stack. Nightstand. And they would grow into this improvisational juggernaut that schooled all kinds of famous folks, including uh, Will Ferrell and uh, Sherry O'Terry or SNL folks. There's many varied careers that came out of the Groundlings. People want to make money. Mostly you want to survive. You want to quit your job as a waiter. In 1975, I saw the Groundlings. Look at that fro. Yeah, he had a It was wow. somewhat of an epiphany. I realized that I had to do this just to get some extroversion into the equation. They'd ask for an audience member to come up, then I was backstage. And Phil all of a sudden leaps up. He was just an audience member. Wow. I never saw an audience member come up with that kind of excitement and energy. It was like a hurricane hit that stage, and I mean in a good way. Yeah, we got what you meant. You know what I mean? <laughs> we weren't confused. Yeah. He was he amazing. Fucked it all up. It. Yeah. <laughs> he was a hurricane. He was throwing chairs down and breaking glasses. <laughs> yeah. It was really a lot of money. irritating. <laughs> he took a hammer to the stage. It was crazy. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, he did that for like a couple of years. He used uh, his skills as a graphic designer to pay his way through the classes. So he did a lot of like their their early days mm. of like doing their logos and stuff at, yeah, at the flyers Grammys. and whatnot. Yeah. By the uh, end of the 1970s, he, he's considered one of the leading cast members there. So he's like running the joint, basically. There he met two future close friends and collaborators, John Lovitz, Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> Uh, these two would play a huge roles in his in his life and career, aka Paul Rubens. Yeah, Paul Rubens. Yeah, aka <laughs> yeah. It's it's hard to separate him from Pee Wee Herman, aka 
porn theater oh, no. masturbator. Okay. We can't. We don't have time to get into One that chap, again. Yeah. <laughs> we really don't. Then uh, we'll talk about Jeffrey Jones. We don't have time for that tonight. Although we do always love to revisit the yeah. Jeffrey Jones Absolutely. thing. But we'll save it. We'll Nine save times. It. Yeah. Save for- <laughs> That's how many times I fucked it. <laughs> That's how many times I came to you in the airport bathroom. Um, so his first TV appearance was actually the dating game where he met a girl who would later stand him up for the date. Oh. So just to give you an idea of, of what his love life is going to be like. <laughs> or is. Tumultuous. They say the dating game was a rite of passage for all the up-and-coming yeah. actors from the 70s. Yeah, you, you'll see like Steve Martin and like you name it. Everyone does it and stuff. And Rodney Alcala, a serial killer. killer. Really? Yeah. He, he was on the dating game and won. Thank God she had a bad feeling from him, and oh, they really? didn't do the date. Yeah, maybe that. Maybe uh, Phil Hartman was giving out that serious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, he started doing commercials like this one we have right here. Do you have ice hockey by Activision. I think you are ready for it. I'm ready. <laughs> Switch to decaf, Phil. <laughs> yeah, he would bring just an intensity to any role. Uh-huh. He's nuts. Pee Wee actually got him on doing Pee Wee's Funhouse for a while. Uh, they started that on stage, and he brought up a character, Captain Carl. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this led to an HBO special, which was Phil's first time, I guess, on HBO. He was able to reprise his Captain Carl role. <laughs> he looks insane oh, <laughs> His huge eyebrows He looks like an overcooked person That's, that's <laughs> lost his mind <laughs> Okay <laughs> so, <laughs> so those two were like close friends and mm-hmm. like collaborators obviously like i think they they shared an equally completely insane idea of what comedy was going on in the 80s he started getting a ton more like small movie and tv roles most notably he was in cheech and chong's next movie in mm-hmm. the smurfs yeah very strange smurfs. stuff. yeah and then in 1982 he gets married to his second wife real estate agent lisa strain Mm. Um, the two seemed very in love and uh, with Phil describing her as his soulmate. However, the marriage did not last long and they divorced in 1985. She chalked it up to Phil's reclusive nature and infidelity. So infidelity. Not only is he not like in the moment with her yeah. and like, you know, connecting and stuff. He's also like fucking around. He was that Bill's kind fucking. of guy. Yeah. He, well, not the fucking around part. <laughs> yeah. But this guy would, fucks. <laughs> I read he would close himself down emotionally. Yeah. I think that's a common thing for someone that talented and that like in their own head with mm-hmm. their own characters. They just get totally lost in it. I could see like Jim Carrey being like that too. Yeah. Right. I think even Lauren Holly said that about him too. Like he would just, you know, do crazy faces in the mirror for like an hour. And you're like, okay, <laughs> this is like, you know, this was fun at the beginning beginning yeah, and he would stay in character as andy kaufman oh, yeah God. before he even knew about the movie man on the moon yeah no yeah. shit <laughs> um so yeah this kind of led to and it, there was no like bad blood they Mutual. divorced amicably and yeah. they just kind of went on their own ways 
By the mid-1980s, he's fresh off a divorce. He was starting to get frustrated over, like, the state of his career. He's, you know, still doing stuff, mm-hmm. like, by by any means. Like, oh, yeah. a- anyone I know, they'd be like, oh, my God, this guy's doing movies and TV like crazy. And the commercials. Yeah, the commercials. Yeah, yeah you can make bank, and especially at this time, oh, when yeah. there's only three networks, and you can make so much money off these fucking commercials and movies and stuff. But he wanted to be famous. He wanted to be recognized for his art, and he really wasn't. He was mm. just kind of a bit player and a lot of shit. All his friends were surpassing him. Like, Pee Wee was a superstar for his show. John Lovitz uh, had just got hired by SNL. After their disastrous 10th season, the show was almost canceled. We've talked about this yeah. before with Charles Rocket and stuff. Yeah, that, just to remind you, that season, the one that you're talking about where John Lovitz joined first. Yeah. That would have been 85, 86. That was the first season where Lorne Michaels returned. So that that was the disastrous season with Robert Downey Jr. Yes. Yeah. And uh, they, I guess when he got there, they fired all those people. They fired Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, Everyone basically except for Nora was, Dunn and John Lovitz. John Lovitz and Dennis Miller. They and kept, Dennis Miller, they you're right. And A. Whitney Brown. Why A. A. Whitney Brown? I don't know. <laughs> I know. That's how I was thinking. I thought of A. Whitney Brown he did, he one didn't time. He did do like the uh, the weekend update. No. Like that was Dennis You're Miller. You're a star, A. Yeah. Whitney Brown. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking like, what the hell ever happened to that one guy, A. Whitney Brown from the yeah. 80s? He, he ha- he's not even verified on Twitter, but he's on Twitter. Oh, is oh he? And like people like, like his stuff. I see it once in a while. I'm like... Because he was on the original Daily Show, too. Remember Yes. That? Yep. Mm. A little bit. Yeah. That's how I first knew him, I think. <laughs> but why keep I him? I don't know. Maybe I... Dennis Miller liked him? Yeah. Hey, babe, I like that guy. Yeah, hey, babe. Why... Uh, they didn't fire me. Let's build a show around Dennis Miller for some reason. Like he... the Great Wall of China, babe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like Barishnikov on like Sunday night dinner here. <laughs> Insert obscure yeah. film or literary reference. <laughs> yeah. I did like the Dennis Miller show. The one I HBO. do find him pretty funny. Yeah. When he's at his best, right? When he's at his best. When he's, you know. And he's not going right great... wing and just kind of exactly. like. You know, eh, the liberals are fucking up my ass, babe. You yeah. know, just talking about that shit. When Norm MacDonald was just calling David Spade gay. That oh, was on the show, the yeah. Clips oh, like, yeah. They went on the show together <laughs> to promote nothing. <laughs> talking about nothing, and all of a sudden he's just like, yeah, just like this guy likes to suck guys' cocks. Hey, guys, uh, sucking cock over here. <laughs> and David Spade's like, okay, just yeah. why'd I come here? He's fever dreams. He would just just fucking lambaste David Spade. He w- <laughs> David Spade came on his Netflix show. Show, like oh, b- before really, Norm yeah. died, yeah. he's and David Spade's like, "What am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to be nice to the guests." <laughs> and if you want to really laugh, look up the Dennis Miller radio show. Yeah, and all of Norm Macdonald's appearances on it in the 2000s. Funny stuff. Hilarious. Oh, he man. would call into that show and do the most. E- you can imagine the most irreverent <laughs> bits. And <laughs> I remember actually, you might have shown me one of them. And uh, then he's like, yeah, comedian. He just bombed with like a few oh, yeah. other things. And he's like, all right, comedian Norm MacDonald. He's like, I don't even know if I could say that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and he acknowledges his own bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you got to do when, when you're that level. And then Dennis Miller's like, hey, Norm, what do you think about this uh, to catch a predator thing? And then Norm's like, 
Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, it's weird because I was about to talk about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> brought it up and introduced it, and, and now I'm kind of feel weird about yeah, it. Yeah, he hated like the procedural <laughs> stuff like Comics Unleashed, where like, hey, uh, so I hear you're getting old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the, yeah. The setups you'd get for comedians yeah. and stuff. Byron Allen. Yeah, Byron Allen. Yeah. I've heard you've been on a plane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it couldn't be more leashed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So good. Just not even trying that hard to bring yeah. up the topic that the you know the, the jumping point for the yeah. joke yeah i actually got to talk to norm about byron allen because i worked for byron allen for w- one and a half seasons of this show and <laughs> i was like thank you so much for talking shit about that guy yeah and he goes oh byron allen he goes that man's a genius <laughs> and i go is he really though and he goes no nah. <laughs> i like how quickly he'll just turn on a dime on his yeah. own opinion yeah Rest in peace, Norm McDonald. Yes. Different episode. You yes. Doing sometime. So Phil in the mid 80s here, you know, all his friends are crushing it. And Phil's like, what about me? I'm good. You know, I'm super talented. Everyone sees it down here at the Groundlings. Everyone's coming to these shows. Mm-hmm. I'm doing great at these live performances. What's the problem? Lord Michaels actually comes down to the Groundlings to watch a show where everyone in the cast, including John Lovitz, assumed he was there to see Phil Hartman. <laughs> so they thought like, oh, Nor- uh, Lord Michaels is here. They're here to see Phil because he's yeah. so great. Yeah. And he didn't even consider Phil Hartman. That's insane. At all. <laughs> he had no interest in him and hired John Lovitz instead. And wow. I, it could have been an age thing because Phil's, you know, pushing like 35 at this point. And I, I've, I've heard other people talk about, you know, SNL with, with Lorne. He doesn't want anyone over 30. That's crazy. He doesn't. Wow. Like this guy I, I know who's like, a, he was a second city improviser, uh, sketch writer and stuff. He's now like a showrunner on Netflix and stuff. Like, you know, he's doing well. Mm-hmm. He had this live show just crush at Second City, and Lauren Michaels was there. And he goes, That was very good. Uh, how old are you? <laughs> and he's like, uh, He's like 36. He's like, Oh, that's too bad. Oh my God. <laughs> Fuck off, Lauren. Yeah, yeah, seriously. A fucking ageist. I didn't realize <laughs> Phil Hartman's nine years older than John Lovitz. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Uh, you're going to get into it. But yeah, yeah he, was. he was like kind of like the older well, you know, the figure thing, a, it, on his with that cast. Yeah. The thing about him, I think Fred Armisen is kind of similar, too, in that they just did a bunch of stuff and they 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 found comedy eventually. Yeah. You know, they mm-hmm. wanted to be rock stars. They wanted to be artists and stuff. And then they, you know, things didn't work out. And they're like, I guess I'll settle on comedy. Yeah. <laughs> and by that time, they're just a little bit older. Yeah. And then it just, it's, it's tougher to get indoors and stuff, you know, when you're doing that. Uh, Artie Lang had a story about getting a meeting with Lauren. And yeah. Lauren brought him into the office. You know, he had done Mad TV already. And then Lauren just says, no, I'm not going to put you on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you bring someone down for that? Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, this could have been a phone call. Yeah. yeah. Could have been a text. Artie's like, okay. Okay. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, I, I'd like to hear Lauren's side of that because it could have been already, you know, those puke on his fucking chest or something. Yeah, <laughs> like, doing coke on his desk. Yeah, he, he had a rum and coke in his hand or something. Yeah, true. 
So yeah, Phil wasn't jealous, but he was worried uh, he was running out of time to have a breakthrough at the age of 36. Mm. Um, at this, this time, he, could, he actually considered retiring from comedy and going back to graphic design full-time. God. Yeah. <laughs> That's hor- horrific. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doing uh, Poco covers yeah. for the rest of his life. But he liked that. Free. He liked the isolation of that. That's so weird that a comedian that engages with that many people also likes to be just be an isolated person who just works on graphic design. Yeah. I mean, I can relate to that a little bit. First of all, we're both hugely successful. Yeah. And then also, <laughs> no, also no, just I have a lot of different things I'm interested in. I yeah. Sometimes I like to just sit down for hours and edit or do a design, you know, on something. Yeah. But it's not what you want to do yeah. Yeah. exclusively, no. So around this time also, Pee Wee gets a huge movie deal with Warner Brothers. And then he chooses Phil to help him write the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So Pee-wee's Big Adventure was co-written by Phil Hartman. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then they got also an unknown director to direct the movie, Tim Burton. That's also amazing. It's a great movie. It's yeah. a great movie. Yeah. I, I heard him talking about it in which they read the Sid Field book of like how to write a screenplay mm-hmm. and stuff. They went basically verbatim. Oh, save the cat or they, whatever? They saved the cat in the, that was the bike. That's funny. And then, then, you know, and then uh, 30 minutes later, you know, they find the bike or whatever, whatever. you know, it's just, (laughs) it's very by the numbers. They just went by what the fucking Sid Field book is, which is a genius screenwriting book if you could ever get your hands on it. My father said I could have any bike I want. (laughs) (laughs) Good good for you and your father. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That movie, I like the the attention to detail they have in that. Like when he's yeah. like the, the the toast and the eggs and stuff. And oh that yeah, entire contraption <laughs> yeah. that he oh, has set up. It's crazy. So influential too, comedically. Yeah. So the movie is released in August 1985 and was an immediate smash hit. Everyone involved blew up, and the movie made a ton of money. Phil's passion for comedy was reignited, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go. Yeah. He appeared in it, too, at the end. He did. He had, like, a small bit It was part. small, but yeah. still. Yeah. So Pee Wee, after, you know, this big movie hit and everything, he was scheduled to host SNL, which is, a, I'm sure, a dream of his. He said his entire career um, of writing and creating everything was a result of not being able to get SNL, because he had auditioned a bunch of times himself. Mm. So SNL at this time was still struggling to get off the ground now that Lauren was back in mm-hmm. season, uh, I think you said 10 or 11. I don't know the number, but One it was those, 85, yeah. 86. Yeah. 10. So like we were saying, they had Robert Downey Jr., Anthony Michael Hall, Dennis Miller, and John Lovitz, of course. They were all still there at this time. Mm-hmm. So this is before all those other people got fired. So they, this season, they're also on the verge of getting canceled. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pee Wee comes in, has a great show. Yeah. Um, he demanded, though, he bring in his own writers to actually help him craft this show of his. Mm. And I, I, maybe he watched that uh, I Go Loco for Yoko's Coco sketch. Boo! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or something like that. But yeah, he brought in Phil actually to come, come right for the, the SNL show he did. Oh, that's awesome. And it is a funny episode. I've seen it. Yeah, I think I... I don't know if I watched it as a kid, but I was like too young to actually yeah. you know, acknowledge something like that. But um, yeah, he brought in Phil and... Lauren was able to see how funny Phil was in the room and how great he was at like dealing with the cast and crew there. Yeah. And he's like, oh, okay, this guy's all right. <laughs> <laughs> it aired on November 23rd, 1985. It was a high point of a very abysmal season of SNL. Mm-hmm. 
so after that, Phil goes back to work on Pee Wee's Fun House with Pee Wee, and he still does the Groundlings live shows and stuff. So he's back to L.A., still doing that, still kind of grinding away at uh, the Groundlings and stuff. Eventually, though, things start to break down between Phil and Pee Wee while they were working on the new CBS version of Pee Wee's Playoffs. So they got a brand new version before it aired. They did the HBO thing. They did the stage thing. And I think they, this is the first time they actually got a major network behind them mm-hmm. for Pee Wee's Playhouse. Phil thought Pee Wee should like start doing new characters and stuff. He's like saying, dude, you're going to burn out on this character. You're going to kill it. Uh-huh. Everyone's going to be like, you know, we don't want to see Pee Wee anymore. And Pee Wee's like, oh, no. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he wanted to like, he said he crossed that bridge when he came to it, when people were tired of Pee Wee. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, Phil was right. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, because the the second movie, The Big Top, no one gave a shit. That about. was not good. Yeah. I had it on VHS, and as a kid, I loved it. But okay, well, still, well, definitely not as good as well, Big Well, you were eating no, paint exactly. chips, too. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was fine, but not a peewee movie. Yeah. He was serious in it, almost. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't give a the shit. The chick was hot. Yeah, was who it, was um, that? Penelope Ann Miller? Yeah, uh, was that her? From Carlito's Way, I think. Galino. Oh, fuck. Oh, no, Valerie Galino. Galino. Uh, Penelope Ann Miller's in it too. But you're talking about the girl from Hot Shots. Oh, she yes. she was yes. yeah. she was something in the nineties. I loved Hot Shots part duh, duh. the most. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's some scenes in there, let's just put it that way. Yeah, yeah. dude. We're very exciting as a kid. Yes. She was beautiful. Yeah. So she still gorgeous. is, actually. Really? I saw her on the morning show recently. I don't deny it. Yeah. She yeah, has she... gray hair now, but still. Yeah, what, what else was she in? She was in a bunch of stuff where she was just like, you know. She has a beautiful. memorable part, if to me memorable, in yeah. leaving Las Vegas at the beginning. Really? Nicolas Cage is like talking to her and he's slurring. That's her? And then she's like, maybe you shouldn't drink so much. That's her? Yeah. Holy shit. And she was Susanna in Rain Man, too. Right. Oh, yeah, Rain Man. But Hot Shots Part duh, that's my favorite. Yeah, 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 yeah for th- sure. That's where she stole your heart. Oh, <laughs> that's a. Now there's a movie. Yeah, yeah. she had the underwear like locked on her. Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> that was a Zucker Brothers, right? Or Zucker Brothers? Um, it was, yeah, one that of the. That camp. It was P- that yeah, camp. Yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. So, yeah, uh, Pee Wee's like, oh, fuck you. And, then, like, <laughs> <laughs> and they just had a riff, they just split. After they had this fight right in the middle of the show in 1986, Pee Wee kicks Phil off. So uh, Captain Carl, as a character, is gone. Wow. And replaced by uh, Cowboy Curtis with Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, my God. So that's why when all of a sudden that show, Captain Carl's just gone. Yeah. And Mm. Phil Hartman's gone and then comes on Lawrence Fishburne or Larry Fishburne around that time. Oh, is that what he went by? Yeah. Uh Really? He was Larry first. I didn't know that. And in deep cover, I think he's Larry. And then eventually after, I think searching for Bobby Fisher, it becomes Lawrence or something. What's love got to do with it? Is that what it was? That's when he really became Lawrence Fishburne. (laughs) (laughs) So after that, Phil and Pee Wee never speak again. Ever. Ever. What? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Are you sure? Didn't they speak maybe a little bit at least? I do not think so. That oh. the, the, the biography I read said they never spoke again after that. What do you? Why? What do you think? You oh no, I thought maybe they kind of patched things up a little bit, but maybe not in person. Maybe they just had a phone call or something. I don't know. Yeah, they never put it back together. I still don't speak to Paul Rubens. Uh, Hartman said in 1996 we had a falling out and never put it back together. Oh, well, there you so go. Right yeah. before he yeah. died. I stand okay, corrected. Let's not give away the ending here. <laughs> <laughs> All I was going to add to that was that Phil feels like he co-created Pee Wee with him and that he oh, was wow. cut out I can of see that. a lot of money. Ooh. 
Oh, fuck. Yeah. Well, the CBS show went on for a couple of years, and that was pretty lucrative. Well, think about it this way. He helped Paul Rubens develop the character at the Groundlings. Yeah. And they did the HBO live show and the movie. He was very much a co-creator of Pee-wee. Just as your friend, why wouldn't you throw him a bone? Like, I'd toss somebody some money if they fucking helped me make this mega character. And... You co-wrote it, co-wrote the movie, which was the biggest hit of all, uh, the biggest moneymaker of all the Pee-wee, you know, shared universe or whatever. To me, it's either greed or a legal position to be like, oh, if I'm giving him the money, then I'm admitting that he deserves way more and he could sue me for it. Yeah, Yeah, probably. Yeah. At that point, Paul Rubens is making a shit ton. Um, I actually have a a later interview from Pee-wee Herman talking about... Um, I think they did another stage thing of Pee Wee. He's been trying to bring back Pee Wee forever. He tried to do a movie in 2016 with Judd Apatow, which went nowhere. No, they did. They the did movie. do the movie. No, but it also went nowhere. Well, it was on Netflix. Yeah, it went it nowhere, Netflix. meaning like it didn't like you know. I don't think it garnered the the attention that he wanted it to. There were a couple funny things in it, but it wasn't. You no, watched great. it, right? Yeah, I really? watched of course. The, the second it came out. <laughs> I had no clue this even happened. Yeah. <laughs> It, there it were was more important things going on in 2016. Our, we were at, in, under siege democratically <laughs> by uh, Donald Trump. I honestly think you would love it because it's like it's about a townie that doesn't want to leave home at all. And uh, there's a travel agent in town and the, the travel agent's like, Pee Wee, don't you ever wonder what it's like outside the border of this town? And he just goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I will watch it. Yeah. But it followed years of rumors of Pee Wee movies and specials. So, yeah, it was like a curiosity when it finally dropped. Yeah. And they did in 2009 is when they did a revival on Broadway. Oh, they did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, and that was successful, I, I believe. So, this and this, he's talking about that and referencing the Phil Hartman uh, Captain Carl. No, the, the Captain Carl part was. Which, which was originated by Phil Hartman, was um, was changed to Cowboy Curtis. So Cowboy Curtis is now the love interest in the show. When you first... And actually is being played by an actor named Phil. So it seems very... <laughs> he refuses like, to talk about Phil Hartman at all. That's what they want. Material that was Phil Hartman's material in the show just... Kind of in a little bit of an homage because he was such a great person and close friend, and he had so he was there at the very beginning of the show and, and wanted more money. <laughs> so therefore, he had to go. He wanted too much money. Yeah. <laughs> Au revoir, Pee Wee, as I say. Um, Post Pee Wee, Phil Hartman's back out on his own, and he's doing small bit parts in movies and TV like he's been doing for years and years. He had a small part in the movie Jumping Jack Flash <laughs> with uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Nice. Before she was pro Holocaust, <laughs> um, and Lauren Michaels' actual own movie, he was in also Three Amigos. So Lauren Michaels, mm. so he had some good exposure to Lauren there because he wrote that movie and produced it with Steve Martin and uh, Chevy Chase. Yeah, directed by who? John Landis. That's right. Yeah, nobody died. A lot on of that crossovers set. that we know of. Um, <laughs> so then Phil's life would change forever when he auditioned for SNL's 12th season. This was the only time he actually auditioned for Lorne. Wow. Yeah, I thought he had been in and out like a bunch. Like, you, if you see like big actors out there, they've all auditioned for Lorne at some point, but this is his first time. He auditioned for Lorne at 38 years old. That's so crazy. And he had already seen Phil Crush live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are you doing? I think before, this is, this is the theory that he was trying to get famous people, like big names, to be on SNL, to, to get more people watching. 
Robert Downey Jr., I guess. Yeah, <clears throat> and, and Anthony Hall. So people yeah. have at box office kind of proof that they, mm-hmm. they were, uh, you know, people are going to watch him, but they're not really comedic players. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're movie, like they really need like, you know, who's the director of, of uh, Weird Science and stuff. They need like John Hughes yeah. to really shape their performances because right. these guys aren't smart enough to do it on their own or come up with their own sketches. <laughs> oh, uh, especially Robert Downey Jr. doing who God knows what, you know, offset there. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like we were saying before, this is the year they kept, they just kept Dennis Miller, John Lovitz, a Whitney Brown and Nora Dunn. Lauren wanted to go with more improv people. So people that were like more attuned to like improvising and like doing stuff on the fly. And I guess talented, let's be honest. That's what he, <laughs> he was going for. People that were good at sketch comedy. Obviously, before Lauren had witnessed Phil on stage at the Groundlings doing amazing. So when he showed up there, he actually got John Lovitz to perform with him. And it went amazing. The audition, like he crushed that. Lauren is like, oh, my God, I have the next Dan Aykroyd on my hands here. And, you know, how did I not notice before? If you want to play a little bit of the audition tape, I have that here. This is my favorite character. His name is Chick Hazard. He's a hard-boiled private investigator. Smoking inside. Smoking a real cigarette. Right in 30 Rock. It was midnight when it happened. I was parked in front of Four Fingers of Bourbon at the Swanee Club on La Brea Avenue. <laughs> Most ex-flyboys were making babies and buying refrigerators. <laughs> uh, my POW experience, I'd rekindled a relationship with two old pals, Jack Daniels and Jim Bean. <laughs> okay, you're hired. was rapidly going down the porcelain Seriously. convenience. I could barely afford cigarettes, whiskey, and food. Looked like the food was going to have to go. <laughs> on that particular night, I was dancing cheek to cheek with a tabletop. I lifted my head, and she walked in. She was the kind of blue-eyed blonde that Hitler based his racial theories upon. Statuesque, like Lady Liberty. But I figured I'd be the one left holding the torch. (laughs) Okay. Yes. Sounds like he's describing his future wife there. I know. Kidding, right? Yeah. He crushed it. He just did an amazing job, Mm. and um, yeah, Lawrence like. It, when Lauren says, you know, he thinks he found the next Dan Aykroyd, I'm like, let's be honest, it's a little bit better than Dan Aykroyd. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think it, that's a that's a shot at Phil Hartman. But Dan Aykroyd did have... <laughs> no pun intended. He had a better film oh, presence, I think, Dan Aykroyd. You're right. Yeah, maybe. I it's a right. different skill. That's true. Yeah. I always felt that Phil Hartman never translated very well on the big screen. To film? Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. really... There's not a we we'll get into that, but yeah, that's just my opinion. Yeah, I I don't know. I I think he could have. I think they could have found something for yes, him eventually. I, and I think he was kind of pivoting in that direction uh, when something happened. But we're not <laughs> we're not there yet. When uh, too close yeah. came out. So yeah. yeah, Phil comes on right away. He's like crushing it with these awesome characters. Does a great Sinatra. He does a great Bill Clinton. Hilarious. He does a great Reagan. He does everyone amazing. Let's let's remember this is still the Reagan administration. Yeah, yeah. He's there for eight fucking years. Mm-hmm. Phil mm-hmm. Hartman's there. Wow. I thought it was only like a couple of years. It took me a minute to like realize it's a lot. Yeah. it was a long time. And he put his own spin on each one. Yeah. Because you know, a lot of people did Reagan. And then we all remember the Clinton. Yeah. Yeah. His Bill Clinton oh, was awesome. God. I I have I have uh uh, do we want to do another video? Yeah. 
Okay. Well, we'll, we'll do we'll do the Bill Clinton one. And the McDonald's we... clip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the best uh, skit ever. This is my favorite one. And <laughs> I didn't know anything about politics. I didn't know much about Bill Clinton until I saw this. All right, that's a quarter pounder with cheese. I like how they start at the counter when the main character's not even there yet. I love when SNL did that. All right, boys. (laughs) Let's stop in here for a second. I'm a little parched from the jog. Oh, sir, we've only been jogging for three blocks. (laughs) Besides, Mrs. Clinton asked us not to let you into any more fast food places. Well, I just want to mingle with the American people, talk with some real folks, maybe get a Diet Coke or something. (laughs) Fine. But please, don't tell Mrs. Clinton. Jim, let me tell you something. There's going to be a whole bunch of things we don't tell, Mrs. Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> Fast food is the least of our worries. That <laughs> is oh the classic line. Yeah. Oh hey. hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you. How are you? Oh, that's an adorable baby. What's your name, sweetheart? Her name is Shakira. Shakira. That means African princess, doesn't it? Oh, why, yes! <laughs> Well, she certainly is beautiful enough to be a princess. So, are you going to finish these fries? <laughs> the best. Yeah, like he goes on to like describe major political issues in the world with by eating people's burgers and stuff, and like, just taking it off their plates. Brilliant satire, right? But as a kid, I see it. I'm young. I just thought it was hilarious on its with, own. with him eating the food. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and he's just such a natural. He, even just as a character, any character, it doesn't mm-hmm. even have to be Bill Clinton. He's just great at like kind of like doing whatever he's doing. Yeah. Iconic. Yeah. In his Ed McMahon, I still say yes. that phrase all the time. Yes, you are correct, sir. You son of Johnny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when he plays uh, Ed McMahon, but he had like a he had like a, a fro? Arsenio fro. Yeah. Carcinio. Carcinio, yeah. <laughs> when Carson was trying to compete with Arsenio yeah. Hall. <laughs> That's dope stuff, uh, That's yeah. very dope stuff there, Red. Um, but he got the he got the nickname the glue at SNL because like he could jump in there and just hold the entire show together. Mm. It didn't even matter. He was so good. Like Maybe yeah. like Will Farrell could do that too. Yes. Like, in later cast and uh, seasons and stuff. Versatile. Dependable, yeah, hilarious, yeah. And I don't. This is when like SNL was just crushing it mm-hmm. again. They're back, more than back. Dana Carvey, him, yeah. uh, You know, Ellen Cleghorn was on unbelievable. There too. Just him and Carvey alone. Him, yeah, him and Carvey were the best yeah. SNL. I think of their generation. Oh yeah, you don't People, get better than them. And then add on your Chris Farley there, who actually mm-hmm. came on maybe a year or two later or something. Mm-hmm. He was great. But, you know, I he just didn't have the professional aptitude of Phil Hartman. No. Phil Hartman would come in and he'd have notes, I get they were saying on everything. Yeah. And like he'd have the entire script broken down and have just like post-it notes of like what he wanted to do in each scene and like had it had the entire show broken down. I'm sure Chris Farley just kind of rolled on there, you know, hung over, <laughs> just like screaming at people. Yeah, and I think really the top three SNL guys, Phil Hartman, Dana Carvey, Pete Davidson. <laughs> what a non-entity as a, as far as a you know comedy sketch person. Yeah. What the fuck is he doing there? <laughs> He's fucking, fucking Kim, Kim Kardashian. Kardashian. Yeah. Oh my god. We he, said the same thing. He just fucks chicks on the side and like that he's supposed to be like an iconic comedic person. I don't get it. <laughs> Doesn't make much sense uh, to me. 
So yeah, in 1989, he wins an Emmy for um, SNL. I think it's pretty rare for like an actor to win an Emmy there. Yeah, uh, for SNL. So things, you know, professionally were crushing for Phil. Yeah, he meets uh, a new girlfriend who's a former swimsuit model and aspiring actress called Bryn Omdahl. So this is his new main squeeze. The kind of blue-eyed blonde that Hitler based his race theories on. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because he seems like he lives through his characters. Kind yeah. Of. Yeah. So that guy would have probably been there for whatever. I should have just turned the other way, but there was something about her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She screamed danger. And I ran to it. Cut to 1998. Okay. Let's, well, we got a couple more years left here. Um, Bryn had been around Hollywood for a few years. When I say she'd been around Hollywood, she'd been around Hollywood. Hello. If you know what I mean. Riding the Rob Reiner Express. She was fucking Rob Reiner. How do you know? That's crazy. I heard things. You heard things, yeah. yeah. Um, she had like small roles on like Yeehaw. Hee-haw. Hee-haw. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Yee-haw. Yeah. Yeah. Yeehaw, yeah. whatever. <laughs> and Julia Sweeney said that Phil actually thought it was cool that she was seeing Rob Reiner. Yeah. He's oh batting cleanup to uh, Rob Ryan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he directed Spinal Tap at that point, Kyle. But he was never a looker either. Rob Reiner? Yeah. yeah he looks like a Of troll. course not. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's, he's meathead from yeah. All in the Family. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What? Kyle, the look on his face is stunned right now. He's like having Tell a Tell me you knew that. I did not know that. He was the star of All in the Family. Are you joking? Shut the fuck up. No, I did not know that. Wow. They Him? don't look at all similar. Yes, they one do. One has hair and one is and they're fatter. Yeah, yeah. That's what happened. Yeah, age. He's like tall and skinny. Age happens. Yeah, I guess. Well, this is after Bryn too, so maybe right. <laughs> yeah, she changes a person. And let's not forget that Rob Reiner was married to fucking Penny Marshall. I know. Yeah, he's had some <laughs> I mean, problems. Could you imagine? Never mind. That's, I'm not even going there. <laughs> yeah. Let her rest in peace for Christ's sake. Oh, she died. Penny Marshall, yeah. yeah. So Bryn, she's big in the Hollywood scene. She's getting fucked up. She's doing mm -hmm. a lot of coke. She even bragged to her brother, like, yeah, it's a great time out here. I'm doing tons of coke. It's a new drug. It's great. It's <laughs> a new like, drug. Yeah, something like that. Like, God. And she was just uh, out of control. So at some point, she has to go back to Fargo. North Dakota, where she's from, to get clean and stuff. Right. She was from uh, Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Fargo, Minnesota, right? No, was that North Dakota. Dakota. Maybe there was just a really good rehab in Fargo. She's from yeah. Thief Rivers Falls, Minnesota. Okay. okay. They talk similarly. Oh, yeah. Well, I gotta go to rehab. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Phil <laughs> <laughs> Harpin, my uh, husband, he's a bastard. No, it's Irish. Now, yeah, <laughs> no, no, now we're back with your family yeah. in Ireland. We can't have you. No, Peter, Bryn. we can't have you, Peter Hartman. <laughs> but in the movie Fargo, remember, it's Minnesota, but then Fargo's actually North Dakota. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, yeah. They all say, yeah. 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 So then she comes back to L.A. after these rehab stints, and she finds Phil, and they kind of fall in love. Mm -hmm. And they're like, they're boyfriend-girlfriend, and then they get married. A lot of people said she uh, was hoping to get roles by her association with Phil. Yeah, of course. Yeah, she was an aspiring actress. Yeah. And it wasn't working out. Yeah. Even though she did turn heads at parties, it just didn't translate to a career. They wanted two very separate things. She wanted him to be like, hey, can you 
tell Matt Granin to give me a, a job on Simpsons, and he wanted her just to be a quiet, stay-at-home mom and mm-hmm. take care of the kids kind of thing. Yeah, and he liked having her by his side. Yeah. The look of it, like they yeah. have this pretty wife. Hot damsel on yep, his arm. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> He's like that character, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the uh, detective. Um, <laughs> yeah. So either way, you know, they kept going with this mm-hmm. rocky relationship, and they had uh, they had two kids, Sean and Bergen. When their son Sean was born, actually, ex-wife Lisa Strain, the second wife, mm-hmm. sent a letter congratulating them. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> For, you know, the, the woman that, you know, he divorced and stuff mm. and kind of neglected and cheated on. Bryn wrote back some psycho letter to uh, Lisa, threatening to kill her, and warned if she ever contacted them again, she would rip her eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> if she contacted her husband ever again. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. yeah no issue there. Lisa asked Phil about the letter, and apparently he knew about it and said that the earlier drafts were worse. (laughs) So, like, he he knows all these letters are being sent. I think she was just an insane letter writer. That's Mm. what she did. I guess Phil found a bunch that she had written to all the female SNL cast members, like, threatening to kill all of them, too. Mm. But they they never got sent. Oh, my God. She's just drafting all these letters, one specifically to Jan Hooks. Which is very pointed saying, you know, I know you and my husband are fucking. I'm going to kill you. Yeah. I mean, they did play husband and wife a lot on yeah. SNL, but yeah, they're well, not she, having She played Hillary, Hillary Clinton to his bills. Yeah. So then you know they're not fucking if they're playing those Oh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had great chemistry, too, by the way, together, Jan Hooks. They were amazing. Yeah, because she'd do, um, when, they, when he did Frank Sinatra. Oh, and Jim Baker and Tammy Faye. Yes, that was the one. That yeah. was the best uh, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker oh, I've ever seen. Yes. When the, 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 the mascara, you know, yeah, crying. The, she's yeah. crying and it's running down her face. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Bryn was a total depressive maniac. She was out of her fucking filled mind. with rage, filled with jealousy. Jealousy. She drank and snorted coke. Insecure with a capital I. Yeah, she was very insecure and angry. She was pissed. Mm-hmm. See, I always had trouble believing that the glue, right, Phil Hartman, he seemed like such a level-headed guy from yeah. afar. Like, what do I know about him? But that he would be with this person that he would say that about the letter like wouldn't that be like a huge red flag like Bryn you cannot write these letters much less send them to my co-stars on this big show oh yeah that's just Bryn yeah that's Bryn being Bryn but that's how he dealt with the women in his life but but the couple they didn't tell anyone about their issues they kept it all like very quiet and like hush hush they wanted to kind of show this idyllic marriage of you know happiness and stuff so Mm -hmm. a lot of people didn't really know about this but also a lot of people did know about this and talked about it yeah they'd argue and he would just kind of pretend to sleep yeah well he would just shut it out he would go to sleep and like around nighttime she would really start amping it up yeah she would start getting hammered to the point that she's over the edge of just drunk and coked up and out of her mind and she would just start losing her shit and he's like I'm gonna go to bed yeah that's (laughs) how he dealt with it like you go do that over there and (laughs) I'm gonna go to sleep now yeah because I'm the breadwinner and I have to get up and go to work and you're gonna take care of the house and the kids oh man she must have loved that yeah (laughs) Um, (laughs) But all that aside, Phil's career is still going fucking amazingly Mm -hmm. great. He was doing a lot of voiceover work. Um, The Simpsons, as we mentioned. Troy McClure, Lionel Hutz. Oh, so funny. Troy McClure. Troy McClure. 
Hi, I'm Troy McClure. Lionel Hutch was like that nervous kind of like salesman. The, the, yeah. No, the lawyer. Oh, he was the lawyer. The right. sleazy lawyer yeah. that all his cases I'm were. Lionel Hutch. Borderline illegal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> On the edge of, yeah, illegal. He did movies like So I Married an Axe Murderer and Coneheads, which I love both. Oh, yes. So I Married an Axe Murderer is like one of those like uh, Clifford that nobody really knows about. And the people that I do talk to that know about it are like instant friends. I want to be Betty's Barney. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I believe I ordered the large. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best opening ever. Because yeah. you follow the cappuccino yeah. the whole way, like a yeah. tracky shot. Yeah. <laughs> she broke my heart. Love. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like that, that the whole premise of that that coffee shop is yeah. absurd. Yeah. You just get to get up there and just, you know, do your spoken word poetry. Yeah, and <laughs> Phil Hartman played the uh the Alcatraz. that was doing the tour guide uh stuff at Alcatraz. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. And he says, My name's John Johnson, but everyone here calls me Vicky. <laughs> <laughs> really underrated movie. Yeah. A lot hey. of great little parts. And hey. it's where yeah, <laughs> Shrek's voice originated in that movie that's true yeah, yeah. it's a dad yeah not many people know this guy. well uh heat mike myers uh yeah dad doing was the it, scottish was yeah. kind of based off mike myers dad yeah mm-hmm. go cry your head on your big pillar <laughs> <laughs> yeah they keep making fun of his head the yeah. size of his head heat <laughs> the size of a melon <laughs> and anthony lapalia lapalia yeah who's also australian right but in that he's playing like kind of an italian north uh san francisco in yeah <laughs> like, anyway he plays a lot of, he's a very talented guy the yeah. movie has a certain feel like a time and place yeah so 1993 yeah Nancy Travis went to my high school, Framingham High. Shut up. Yeah, she did. I, I love Nancy Travis. Yeah. Framingham. And you know who else is hilarious in the movie? Amanda Plummer. Yeah. 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 She's great. Crazy part. When that. she offers to make him breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, I'll make it fresh squeezed orange juice, silver dollar pancakes. <laughs> and then it cuts to her boring cereal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Sorry, I didn't have all the other stuff. <laughs> Heat, pants, nail. <laughs> <laughs> she broke my heart. Um, yeah. After all this, in 1994, Phil decides to leave SNL. After eight years, he leaves on his own. Wow. Not fired. I don't think. You Larry, fire. I went out on top. Yeah. <laughs> Tell no. us, Phil, uh, did you decide to leave on your own? Did you get fired? <laughs> the reason why I say that is because Sandler and Farley were fired around this time. I didn't even fucking know they were fired. The that's next so year. stupid. A year later. Yeah, a year they later. They did one more season. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Around this, this time, was yeah. 93 94, was Phil's no, last season. 94, 94. 93 94. Okay, okay. And 94 95 was the infamous, considered one of the well, worst. Well, there was seasons. one bad article written about SNL that, and it's like, and Lord's like, I'm gonna clean house. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, he was sort of right though, because the next season is when he brought on Will Ferrell and yeah. Sherry O'Terry, Molly Shannon, and Adam McKay is the head writer. Yeah, so it, it was like a solid transition. Yeah, but still, it's it's crazy to think of Adam Sandler, Chris Farley. You know, yeah, they were such big stars and so popular. Yeah, so he. He has news radio set up, and he has a house guest with uh, Sinbad coming up. So he's got some big movies coming up. I did like that as a kid, too. Yeah. Well, it might prove your point. Maybe he doesn't really translate that well to the, the, the Yeah, okay. Screen. That's exactly what I mean. When he had a big role in a movie, it just didn't translate. Yeah. Because in house guest, it's mildly amusing. 
But it's Sinbad. It's Sinbad's show. Yeah. Bill Hartman is just, you know, the straight man. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's not great. He's a utility player. A couple other things about that movie. Jeffrey Jones co-stars in it. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and, you know, it was directed by Randall Miller, who later went to jail for the death on his movie Midnight Rider. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Wow. Which is going to be a later episode. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, either way, Phil's career is on an upward trajectory still after he's uh, left SNL. Meanwhile, Bryn's career, his wife, is going fucking nowhere. <laughs> she goes on audition after audition. She even got plastic surgery to look younger to, no. get, to start getting better roles. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. You man. can see it on her face. She was getting a lot of plastic That's surgery. That's true. She didn't look uh, natural. No. Uh, but who did? Um, wow. So she was getting angry and angrier and pissed off about Valerie Golino. <laughs> Valerie yeah. yeah. <laughs> she still looks great, but gray hair. Yeah, yeah, natural. Natural. So, yeah. So she's getting kind of like perturbed that Phil's still doing well, and she her career is going nowhere. So she hasn't been able to kind of latch on the back of his kind of train and like do well, which was her theory getting into this marriage, that she was going to start landing roles because he's such a prolific oh, yeah. actor and stuff. And I told that story on the postmortem for Alec Baldwin. Okay. Where during the opening credits of SNL, when they announced Phil Hartman, he's facing a blonde at a table. Yeah. And then he smiles at the camera. You can see her earring moving because <laughs> it was Bryn sitting there and you yeah. see the back of her head and her earring is moving because she kept wanting to show her face on camera. And the director <laughs> kept saying, no, 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 turn around. Yeah. Like we just want Phil. So she, she's desperately trying yeah, to exactly. like fight it and get on there. Yeah, it's moving because she kept trying to turn around. Yeah. <laughs> and they finally managed to capture a shot where she didn't ruin it. That must it have been a nightmare turning for, around. for the PA or whoever was working on that. And think about when it premiered. She's watching it on TV, seeing that she's completely cut out of the opening. Yeah. That's her only appearance on SNL, that wow. earring moving. Oh, she probably tried to get on so many other times, though. Throughout the eight years? All the time she was trying to. Yeah. And he was trying to make her happen yeah. in some ways. Because he brought her on the Howard Stern interview show. Oh, did on he? E. Not the later E show, but he did like a long form interview show okay. around like 92. And he brought her on to make her kind of a personality. Oh, so, wow. God. Yeah. And Howard uh, asked her about, oh, did you meet any of Phil's ex-wives? And she's like, uh, the first one on the phone and the second one I didn't even want to meet. <laughs> that must have been Lisa. Yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, she talked to Gretchen. No, no one even knows who Gretchen, but she was able to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked up her IMDb. Her only two movie credits are North. She played a waitress. With, um, with uh, Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood, yeah. And directed by Rob Reiner. Hey. Oh, he got her in there. And then Third Rock <laughs> from the Sun. Mary! <laughs> Imagine coming out here and, like, you know, for 20 years, and that's all you have to show for mm -hmm. it in dating Rob Reiner and doing a bunch of blood. <laughs> Sad. Um, with Andy Dick. With the. Yeah! Well, we'll get to Andy I'll Dick. Suck and I'll, your cock. I'll suck your cock. <laughs> Yay, Brand, let me suck your cock. <laughs> like, wait, what? Andy, um, I'm a woman. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just responds at noises at some point. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, after they get back to L.A. after being in New York for eight years, she decides to go into rehab again. 
Okay. So at Phil's persistence, she goes back into rehab because she's really acting up and acting crazy. And after that, she starts showing some signs of improvement. She starts doing okay. better. Didn't last long. Um, she sees a psychiatrist who was prescribing her a newer drug called Zoloft for her depression. Mm. So she's doing a little bit better. Up and down. It's a shaky better, but it, it's better. And then towards the end of 97... She suffered a little bit of a relapse mm. with drugs and the alcohol. So she was clean for a moment. She was clean for a moment, but the problem is now she's back on the coke and the booze, but now the Zoloft is involved mm. too. Some claim Andy Dick was the reason for the relapse. Okay, do tell. Well, they were at a news radio Christmas party, and some say he gave her like a big bag of Coke there. Oh, boy. Hey, try this. <laughs> and to remind people, he was a co-star of Phil's on news radio. He was, mm -hmm. yeah. And it, a young Joe Rogan. And a young Joe Rogan. But anyway, Andy Dick disputes this, uh, him relapsing her story. Of okay. course, you know, he's a liar. Um, <laughs> Lynette supposedly sent her off I guess so. on another So she must bender. go to all these parties and just try to, like, network, and it just never goes anywhere. Because I think you probably know within three minutes of meeting this person, she's crazy. Probably gave off really bad vibes yeah. to mm -hmm. everyone but Phil it. Hartman. <laughs> I guess. I think he thought he could just, con you know, he could manage her. Yeah, unless you're banging her, she's a nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> Bryn, even then, she's still a nightmare. <laughs> Bryn, we loved you in the SNL opening. That earring thing was killer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I liked your choice <laughs> or your two second cameo in that movie North, which everybody fucking hated, and it made no money. <laughs> yeah, she was a reason that that went bad. <laughs> um, this is actually I have a little clip here of Joe Rogan. I know he's very controversial, guys. Fuck off. But you know, <laughs> but this is him talking about uh Brynn and how her and Phil kind of like, like what his observation was of their relationship. They say you shouldn't speak ill of the dead, but when they kill your friend and then kill themselves, I think you're allowed to talk shit. Absolutely. Here we go. There's no um, reverence in death for the They bad had ones. a very uh, combative relationship, and she used to talk shit about him in front of us. Really? Yeah, right in front of him and us. It was just like she would say he's old and she would, you know, like one time she's talking about her car. They were talking, Phil was talking about a car. Like Phil's a car aficionado, loved yeah. cars. So we were talking about a car. I forget what it was. And then she goes, I love pickup trucks. I want to get a pickup truck. All my boyfriends back home had pickup trucks. <laughs> and you're just picturing her getting stuffed in the back of this pickup <laughs> truck by some fucking farmer boy. <laughs> Thick wrists, big yeah. old catcher's mitt hands, just, just laying his fat dick. Doesn't even take his pants off. <laughs> but saying that, like, I don't know. It's terrible. It's just weird. It was. And weird. was it constantly like that? She was always belittling him, always was tearing him down. They would have these horrible fights, man. I never understand that. It's like you're together. Like it's for the good. Like. His success is your success, yeah, and yet right. still tear yeah. them down. Well, people don't think logically. Yeah, I know what you're saying, but that's not a logical thought. It's not how Bryn saw it. No. Yeah, I can't imagine someone just kind of not in your corner like that. That's in your corner. Oh, <laughs> like, far from it. So yeah, that is the nature of their relationship and her. Because I think some stuff came out where she's like. The brother on ABC was like, you know, she's nice, you know, she's a good person, and you know, they actually had a nice relationship. Uh -huh. Um, and then you they know, loved the kids. And then you just hear that Joe Rogan thing, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, all right, we're we're hearing two stories here.
They both loved those kids. He was a great dad. She was a great mom. Yeah. You can tell watching these home videos. It's like, yeah, okay. She was a great mom, you know, until she kind of shot dead the father and <laughs> yeah, herself. With the yeah. kids upstairs. Well, we'll get into that. Yeah. So, so here we are. Anyway, so now that we, we talk about it, May 27th, 1998. What's Bryn doing that day? So that day she meets up with her friend Christine Zander at Bucura Peppo. Bucura Peppo. Bucura Peppo in Encino. So they're like hanging out there. Um, a little Italian joint. About 10 minutes away from us right now. Well, how you been? A little t- yeah, not too far away. Yep. We should go sometime. Let's go. Yeah, I'm it, game. It well, sounds good right now. Give me the Bryn Hartman. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have the two shots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Spaghetti and meatballs yeah. mixed with Zoloft. Yeah. yeah, two shots of marinara. Pull <laughs> it to the head. To your head. <laughs> <laughs> so she's there for a while with her friend, um, and they're just hanging out. I think it was like a producer friend or something uh-huh. and that she nurses two cosmopolitans over two hours which you it's know not that outrageous not sounding. that outrageous yeah. no but when you're doing batches of coke in the bathroom well <laughs> and snorting zoloft <laughs> yeah batches of coke batches <laughs> yeah here's your batch of coke yeah. that's my Andy dick um so according to christine uh she was in a good frame of mind she seemed content they made plans to see each other the following weekend, so it wasn't like this is all premeditated and like this is what she planned on doing that night. Mm-hmm. Um, the manager of the restaurant confirmed the same that they seemed okay. They loved Bugatti Peppa, I guess, which is I like Bugatti Peppa family style restaurant. I worked at a Bugatti Peppa in uh, <laughs> outside of Boston. They have a Bugatti Peppa down there. It was called Vinny T's there. Oh but yeah, it was the yeah, same yeah. company. Yeah, I know Vinny T's. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what y'all are talking. Yeah, about. we're just talking about East Coast. I haven't Buc- been Buc- there. Bugatti Peppa. They they sell uh, you know obviously Italian food, but it's family style. So anything you get, if like we order spaghetti, we're getting like eight pounds of spaghetti. Yeah, it's all coming to you. Yeah, yeah. it's it's it's. I don't know. It's like a nicer Olive Garden kind of. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you guys got to hear this. I just looked up an old text exchange from the three of us okay. Uh-oh. from last summer, Uh-oh. and we were talking about this. <laughs> Mark says, and Bryn Hartman went to Boca de Beppo in Encino, and then I said, for a fun night of drinks, then shot her husband in her sleep. Then Mark's like, yep, maybe there's something in the sauce. <laughs> we'll have the wait staff take a pic of us. Then Kyle says... You have a bite of ravioli and all of a sudden you got to kill your spouse. <laughs> and then I said, I heard she did one too many shots that night. Hello. <laughs> and then Kyle says, hello. No, <laughs> what the? F- this is like David Lynch here. <laughs> Isn't that great? That's our real text exchange. I wow. just <laughs> all right. <laughs> to end it, Mark says, save it for the dash. Never mind. Oh, <laughs> reference in the podcast. Save it for the pod. And we did. And then we we rehashed something we talked about yeah. kind of a year Eight ago. months later. Eight months later. <laughs> so after Bucca Peppa, Bryn goes to hang out with her friend, Ron. Ron. Ron Douglas. Oh, boy. At 10.15 p.m. Who's this Ron guy? Yeah, exactly. He's the guy with catches mid hands and There's a always, fat farmer yeah, dick. He's got the pickup truck out front. <laughs> <laughs> the guy she just unleashes all her problems onto. Yeah. yeah. Well, what I was going to say before that, she had just celebrated her 40th birthday. Yeah. So okay. she could have been going through some like female midlife crisis thing. Sounds so young now. Yeah. Yeah, that does. So, yeah, after hanging out with Ron. At ten fifteen, they they hang out for a while, and mm-hmm. let's be honest. I think Ron's, you know, 
they're bumping lines. Yeah. It sounds oh, yeah. like it. Yeah. And I think he, <laughs> like, this is the last time he'll bump lines with any married woman ever again. Oh. What he had to deal with this night is fucking nuts. They were probably bumping uglies, if you know what I mean. Yeah, probably that, too. Or he was angling, too, you know? Yeah, I'm sure he was. Um, <laughs> according to Ron, Bryn brought up some marital issues, which means... She's talking shit about Phil for like two hours straight yeah. until he can't deal with it anymore. She goes home <laughs> at 12.45 a.m., apparently in a rage. Mm-hmm. Britt and Phil got in a huge fight about her drug and alcohol abuse right when she got home. So he's like, oh, God, I got to deal with this now. Because she like gets going in mm-hmm. the middle of the night. It's been stated by Phil's former attorney that uh, Phil gave Britt an ultimatum. You either get clean or get lost, basically. Mm-hmm. like This marriage is over. I can't deal with this anymore. Eventually, Phil throws up his hands like he does all the time and just goes to bed. He probably figured he's not going to win this fight and, you know, this isn't going anywhere, so I'm going to go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. She stays up and keeps doing coke and drinking, which is smart. Wants Uh, to keep it going. (laughs) Yeah, she wants to keep the... Keep this fun night going. um, You know, of course. Why wouldn't you? Eventually, I guess something inside her just snaps. She totally just loses it Mm. and goes to, like, another dimension of insanity. Mm -hmm. She walks over to the gun safe. So she must have been conscious enough to actually type in the gun safe code and be able to open it. Yeah. Okay, so it had a code. It was locked up. It had a code. It was a safe. Just make sure the kids can't get it, all that stuff. She grabbed a thirty-eight pistol. She goes into the bedroom, and she shoots three times into Phil. One hit him in the chest, the second in the neck, and the third shot into his head. He died instantly at the age of 49. So he doesn't even know what happened. No. He was just sleeping. No. Maybe. I wonder if he turned like after the first shot and then that got him like in the front of the head or I don't know. Yeah. He might. He he didn't wake up. No. And I wonder if he was pretending to sleep too after the argument trying or was he sleeping? He must have been sleeping. Maybe he was taking a pill to kind of put him down because it was like what, you know, two, three in the morning or something mm. at this point. And to shoot him like that is so... Brutal. Like, Brutal. let's make sure he's fucking dead. Well, his big move in order to shut her up in the middle of the night would just be to go to bed. And it kind of turned against him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he didn't realize he needed to be in a separate uh, continent from her. I know. I don't think he knew the level of insanity he was dealing with here. And I think Zoloft played a big part. I, they found out later that Zoloft did have things like that where it would turn kind of people crazy sometimes. It is true. I got put on Zoloft uh, during the pandemic. I'm still on it. But when I first got put on, they said, because um, a lot of antidepressants, the side effect is suicidal tendencies. Yeah. Zoloft's is homicidal tendencies. Oh, oh my fuck. God. So they were like, if you feel like a rage coming on or like you want to kill people, like you have to let us know. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's insane. Did uh, you? No. And, no, I, it's well, been the, all, a fucking lifesaver for me. But it, it is crazy to think. Like They were, they were saying um, it happens a lot in people who drink and do Zoloft at the same time. Oh, and fuck. I was like, well, I mean, I drink and do Zoloft at the same time. Oh, but I was, but, she, but Bryn was bound. You two better watch yeah, it. Should we be worried <laughs> right now? Uh, I don't know if I want to go to Boca to Beppo with yeah. you. <laughs> Just a heads up out there, guys. If something goes on, I think you know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> Alejandro and I kind of go missing. I think we know. <laughs> Let's make sure to get this episode out right away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think not, you know, I don't think you're like an angry, violent person like Bryn was. I think she already had that inside of her yeah and i think once you know you kind of mess with that chemistry and stuff it was just a 
time bomb that was waiting to go off. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. All the people said stories of her just being awful. Awful. Yeah, she's just like unhinged. She sounded like a horrible human being. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. Yeah, it feels like we, fuck her. Will you marry me? She's like, on the you... shit list. Yeah. Oh, oh, she's on. The list. She's at the top of the shit yeah. list right now. <laughs> the ghost of Bryn Hartman is on our shit list. <laughs> so after killing Phil, Bryn calls Ron back. Ron's back in the picture. Mm. Ron, may... Ron fucked up by hanging out with her this night. <laughs> He's like, didn't we already say goodbye? <laughs> didn't I already bang you? <laughs> Didn't we already have our fun? <laughs> Didn't you already get stuffed? As Joe Rogan would say, his words, not mine. Um, so she calls him at like 3.15 a.m. and asks him to come over. She claims that Phil wasn't there and left a note saying that he was out for a bit, but he'd be back. Like, okay, 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh-huh. This doesn't add up. Ron told her to take an aspirin and go to bed. I think she needs a lot more than an aspirin. Yeah. Yeah. 20 minutes later, she's banging on Ron's door. <laughs> Oh, she went to Ron. She went to. I think Ron lived kind of close by. Okay. Yeah. See, I never knew that she left the house after that. Ron recalls getting out of bed and opening the door to find Bryn looking like a zombie Mm. and muttering, "I killed Phil" over and over. (sighs) And she said, "I don't know why." She was totally drunk, high on coke, fucked up out of her mind. Obviously. Wow. Um, Ron still didn't believe she did it. (laughs) <laughs> Who knows why, but um <laughs> Okay, I believe you. <laughs> Just stay away from you me. You said it, Bryn. <laughs> I believe you. Yeah, don't, yeah. Where's the gun? So Bryn takes Ron back to her house and checked uh and Ron wants to check on Phil just to make sure everything's okay, and he goes upstairs to find him dead. So Ron had to see Ugh. Still dead. Wow. And, yeah. The Poor grisly Ron, yeah. scene. No, no, I know. I actually did mean it, it sympathetically towards Ron. That must Poor have been Ron. so horrible, though, to stumble yeah. on that. So Ron calls 911 and notices that Bryn locked herself in the master bedroom while he's calling 911. Wow. Mm. Police come on the scene at 6 a.m. and immediately head upstairs to get the kids out of the house. So the master bedroom's on the first floor. Kids are up on the second floor. Oh, wow. Cops go to get the kids and uh, bring them out of the house to kind of neutralize that aspect of it, I guess. And they try to get Bryn out of the master bedroom, which is locked, but she's not leaving. At this time, Sean is nine and Bergen is six. Mm. I guess the kids thought they heard the bullet shots. They heard the bullet shots. They heard heard the shots. (laughs) The gunshots. The gunshots. As they're called. Yeah, the kids heard the gunshots, and then they thought it was just door slamming. Yeah. Because that was probably happening a lot, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, They probably grew up with these parents that were fighting all the time. Yeah. As soon as they get the kids out, one last shot rang out behind them, Mm. and it was behind the bedroom, master bedroom door. And it was Bryn committing suicide directly next to Phil's body. I thought she did it immediately. I had no idea Ron was involved and he was the one that called the police. I thought it was like she killed him, freaked out, killed herself. I had no idea the police were there Mm -hmm. and all this was happening, you know, in such a crazy manner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's going through her head in that bathroom, (laughs) you know, before she did it. I'm never getting away with this. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think she was thinking. And then all of a sudden, it must have kind of like hit her like right away. Just like, oh, my God, I just killed someone. And then I'm going to prison for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to do that. Yeah. Right away, the police broke down the master bedroom door and rushed inside to find Bryn laying next to Phil on the bed with a self-inflicted gunshot wound to her head. Oh, she was in the uh, room that he was in. Yeah. So she was probably staring at him being like, fuck. Yeah. I think it was all kind of coming to her like very slowly. Wow. Yeah, so Phil Hartman, 
there was a ton of heartbroken comedians out there and like mm. his past collaborators who were just utterly destroyed by Phil's death. Simpsons dedicated the episode Bart the Mother to Phil's memory. It was the last Simpsons that Phil was in as Troy mm. McClure. Yeah. And they retired his characters. Yeah, that that was nice of them to do, but that would be crazy if they kept them on. <laughs> yeah, it'd be pretty it's depressing. Like, Hi, I'm Troy McClure. Yeah, exactly. like a poo. Yeah, yeah. I remember being like really freaked out around this time because I was probably 12 years old, but mm-hmm. I remember SNL was like one of the only things I was allowed to watch that was like kind of adult in nature. So I knew Phil Hartman. I knew Chris Farley. They both died within six months of each other. Yeah. And I remember being like totally freaked out over that. And then hearing this Phil Hartman got murdered. Like what? I remember that too. I remember getting home from school and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was weird. Like, wait, Phil Hartman was murdered by his wife? Yeah, like yeah. this super funny guy that everybody liked. Why yeah. would anybody ever be mad at this guy? Exactly. <laughs> it didn't make any, because his on-screen persona was that of just kind of like, hey, I'm this guy, and I'm yeah. like very you know, free-spirited, and things are okay. And yeah. just like, you know, there's always a Brynn involved. <laughs> as a culprit, but isn't there. Yeah. Frank Sinatra died shortly before that, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're so right. So he was dominating the headlines. Yeah. And then this happened. Just all a domino effect of all these people down there. It, everyone says oh, it's always in threes, like, uh, or or then it, really. sometimes it's not. Like, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> then That's you the stop most counting. Middle of the road, just fucking people that just want chit chat nonsense. Yeah. You know, maybe someone else passed away that <laughs> yeah. summer. <laughs> yeah, same people that say uh, there's something going around. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we really needed the rain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank God we got it. We need it. Yeah. yeah. Like when it's snowing in Boston, so we'll say, yeah, it'll be fucking 80 degrees tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) You know, our theme song, Mm -hmm. that sound bite of that has stunned the entertainment world. I took that sound bite from a Minneapolis news station reporting the death of Phil Hartman. We begin with a murder investigation that has stunned the entertainment world. Phil Hartman, who gained fame on Saturday Night Live, was found shot dead in his home, apparently killed by his wife, who then committed suicide. There you go. We're getting a breakdown of the the, the sausage factory here. (laughs) See how it's made. So both Phil and Bryn were cremated and their ashes were spread across the Santa Catalina Islands. So we're going back to Catalina, Catalina baby. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah, he loved uh, Catalina. Yeah, he loved it. He would be out on his boat all the time. He would... He was just a very distant person with his family. He mm-hmm. would go off and do his own stuff with his old buddies and stuff. And yeah. he would bring his kids sometime. But I think that was one of Bryn's, you know, maybe legitimate rights was that he was off on his own doing this stuff all the time. Sure. Mm-hmm. He was but, an outdoorsman, kind of. Yeah. But come on. Get it together, Bryn. No, I know. <laughs> I'm not saying she should have killed the guy. I'm yeah. not saying that. And he was just finally enjoying all the fruits of his labor and yeah. years of hard work. Yeah. A million dollars to do this commercial and buying a Bentley and getting yeah. the wow. boat, you know, for Catalina. You got a Bentley? Yeah. Wow. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. (laughs) (laughs) He got to enjoy it for about five minutes. A hot second. Ain't it a bitch? So, yeah, uh, the kids, Sean and Bergen, were sent to live with Phil's brother and then sent to live with Bryn's sister as a result of a will. I don't know what was going on there, but I guess 
the sister hopefully wasn't as bad as Bryn. Um, Let's hope. They were raised under different names to avoid any media spotlight. Mm. Uh, but daughter Bergen thanked Lauren Michaels, actually, on air during a memorial for Phil in 2015. Wow. So. And she went to the 40th. Yeah. Uh, Bergen did go there. Yeah. yeah. So ABC did a special on this, actually, 2019 on the, the murder of Phil Hartman. There's a little snippet I wanted to play from the brother Greg. It's my opinion here. I want you guys to hear it, that he's okay. trying to lay the blame on Phil a little bit. After I heard Bryn had shot Phil and then heard Bryn had shot herself, I think everyone was in shock in the family and cannot imagine why she would do that. And now for the first time in a new ABC News special, details of the couple's relationship from Greg Omdahl, Bryn Hartman's brother. I would say Bryn confided in me Quite a bit. I know she was upset with Phil on one, maybe two occasions where he would be doing a part, The Simpsons or news radio. He had mentioned to Bryn that, you know, maybe I can get you a part. And when he'd come home, she'd say, well, did you talk to him about, you know, getting me a part? And he'd say, oh, I forgot. And she'd be upset <laughs> about that. And an inside look at the Hartman family before tragedy struck in home video. Hello. By all external appearances, they look like a very, very happy couple and family. But yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah I'm <laughs> sorry, Bryn. They're looking for somebody with talent. Yeah. Oh! They wanted an actor for that role. Sorry. Yeah, they wanted someone with good credits, and not the only credit was banging uh, Meathead. Yeah. <laughs> what an ass. That is so dumb. Oh, the yeah. brother? Yeah. Yeah. That guy, I think. Well, he no, doesn't... her. Oh. Yeah, or both of them. Yeah. Uh, I'm dolls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you shit kicking hicks from uh, Minnesota. <laughs> With oven mid hands. <laughs> oven mid hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where does Joe Rogan come up with this shit? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, well, he's come up with a lot of shit yeah. <laughs> over the years. Yeah, and it's getting him into trouble. <laughs> Still got the money, though. Yes. But uh, for now. <laughs> yeah, that's the um, that's the unfortunate events surrounding the death of Phil Hartman and his wife, Bryn. Did Greg, I see the note here that Greg sued Pfizer for yeah. what he believes Zoloft to be the cause of Bryn shooting Phil. Yeah. Did he win or get any money? Yeah, I think he got thrown out of court. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> oh, you're saying Bryn did it? Yeah, of course she did. Okay. I think we're in the final thought stage of this because does anyone have their hot scorching take? Kyle thinks it's just Bryn and just 100% Bryn. I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to blame Zoloft for this at all. I'm going to blame Andy Dick more than Zoloft. You own a lot of stock in Zoloft, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're for a sure. Yeah, head. I need to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also, you, as someone that takes it, you know yeah, you have some perspective. Yeah. Exactly. I think the cocaine will drive your brain insane. It's a hell of a <laughs> drug. Cocaine will drive your brain insane. <laughs> I don't know. It drives I, crazy people crazy. It drives exactly. normal people to have a good time. Wow. <laughs> so I've He's heard. He's doing a P PSA for uh -huh. Coke here now. Coke yeah. is awesome. <laughs> All right. Kyle's On the record, Kyle Bloom says Coke. Coke the more you know. Whoa. Wow, Coke has cut off his mic. Coke is awesome. <laughs> so Kyle's pro-Coke. Yeah, pro-Coke. Pro-Zoloft. Yep. And pro-wrestling. Fuck yeah. <laughs> He's like a libertarian. <laughs> the more obnoxious somehow. Just kidding. 
somehow I don't think we talked about Andy Dick enough. I know I didn't want to delve in too hard on that, but if you have anything, because I have my own history of it with Andy yeah, Dick. I'm just messing with you, but I was just going to add that John Lovitz, he didn't replace Phil Hartman, but he came on for the final season of News Radio. Oh, yeah. After yeah. Phil Hartman was. Which is crazy because they started at Groundhog so long before. Yeah. Yeah. He did it as sort of a tribute and wow. just to help out. And they had a very moving episode by the way oh really is a tribute to phil where they dealt with it head on and it's very sad yeah. no shit yeah I, I remember watching news radio all the time i don't remember the tribute to him it's there i have to go and watch it tonight yeah and uh john lovitz heard about that christmas party thing where andy got it back on coke yeah and he right off the bat accused andy dick of having something to do with her death so when once he, he heard that got he's, on like, set. he's like i know that was yeah him. and they fought for years and then in 2007 they had another you know scuffle <laughs> at a bar yeah he fought him yeah, he fought him. And then Andy Dick approached Lovitz and said, I put the Phil Hartman hex on you. You're next to die. And oh so then the God. next year, Lovitz and Dick got in a physical confrontation at the Laugh Factory. Oh, my so God. So John Lovitz basically thinks that Andy Dick has a little bit to do with her getting back on drugs. I believe And it. David Strickland. That's another That's episode. another episode. <laughs> yeah, we can't del- we can't go down that road. <laughs> David right Strickland was on Suddenly Susan. Yes. And had a wild weekend with Andy Dick in Vegas. And ended he with himself. Well, all right. I guess uh we'll give that one away. Imagine how bad of a hang Andy Dick must be where people just like, <laughs> what's a what's a good, you know, what's a good way out of this? I gotta kill somebody and or myself. Yeah. Andy Dick was so irritating, David Strickland hangs himself with a bed sheet. <laughs> yeah. So he doesn't oh, have to hear God. that. Hey, got any coke anymore? <laughs> Doesn't even wait to get back to LA. He's like, yeah. I gotta go now. He's like, yeah, I gotta take care of this shit. <laughs> what kind of sheets are these, Cotton? Can they hold me? <laughs> to quote someone, let's save it for that pod. Yes. Let's do it. And the final, final note is, again, Phil Hartman continued his, eh, movie streak posthumously appearing in Small Soldiers. I know. That ah. summer. But Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, it's not a terrible movie. Joe Dante, I like him a lot. But still, it's like, God, like that was Phil Hartman's last appearance. Mm. Yeah. Just this kind of forgettable kids movie. Yeah. Mm. Rest in peace, Phil. I don't know what else to say about Phil. I, I, I really enjoyed him uh, as a kid in SNL. Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer. Yeah. Colon Blow. Oh, yeah. Some of the best sketches in SNL Colin Blow. I'm Frozen Caveman Lawyer. How did I wind up here on this metal bird? How did I get here? (laughs) I don't know much about your laws. (laughs) (laughs) But I do know your world frightens me. (laughs) (laughs) In the case when he mentions it, it was so ridiculous. Like, that's why my client should get off for, you know, burning someone with McDonald's coffee or something. They don't make him like Phil Hartman anymore. No. Just. You well, know, he was talking after that. So talented. In 1995, they're like, what happened to SNL? He's like, you know what? There's only so much talent out there, and you have to really respect the talent when you get it. Yeah. And he just paired himself with a horribly toxic person. Yeah. Wrong combo can lead to very bad things. Deadly endings. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. Ain't it a bitch? Ain't it a bitch? All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening. As yeah. always, that's two episodes where it just ends with like a. I know. <laughs> it's a big time bummer. Yeah, nothing we can do about it. But that's uh, that's what happened, guys. That's how it went down, and that's that.
See you next week. See you next week. Have a nice week. <laughs> you may remember us from such episodes as Chris Benoit. <laughs> yeah. Chris Benoit. Yeah. I know. Just a week ago. <laughs> Another bummer. Yeah. Okay, Twitter, uh, DiePod2021, Death and Entertainment, uh, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, you know where to find us, and we Friendster. love- Friendster. We just opened a Friendster. Oh, now. God. <laughs> and it's 2006, by the way. Hello. Hello. But yeah, we love when you comment and you know tell your friends about us. And did you want to give a shout out to who recommended you oh, do yeah, this? Oh, uh, yeah. Ryan Stone, our uh, avid listener out there. Thank you very much for the suggestion. Yes. And uh, I hope we delivered for you, and I hope you enjoyed everything, and uh, he <laughs> He is a very talented singer-songwriter in Los Angeles here. Hey. He's also a sommelier. Mm. He's, a, he's a real wine head, if you know what I mean. Um, so this is a big shout-out to him, and uh, thanks for listening, and thank you for suggesting. Anyone else has any suggestions, feel free to DM us or send us an email at deathandentertainment at gmail.com. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. And we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. You have just heard a true Hollywood murder mystery. I have never seen anything like this before. The movies, Broadway, music, television, all of it. A place that manufactures nightmares. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. Good night. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. <laughs> <laughs>